Welcome to the CISONomics Podcast, building understanding between information security leaders and the businesses that sell to them. Brought to you by Green Ridge Search. The relationship between CISOs and cybersecurity vendors can be tricky. They depend upon each other, though they don't always get along. In fact, CISOs routinely report that security sellers just aren't listening to them. In this podcast, we aim to bridge that gap inviting senior figures from the vendor landscape to interview CISOs and hear their side of the story. Welcome to the CISONomics podcast. I'm your host, Jake Sparks, cybersecurity headhunter and the founder of Green Ridge Search, together with our guest host for today, Guy Elon. Welcome, Guy. Hi. Wonderful to have you on the show. Guy's had a fascinating international sales leadership career spanning a broad range of cybersecurity and data technologies. As general manager for Forcepoint's third biggest territory, Australia and New Zealand, he successfully led their go-to-market strategy into the enterprise domain. Leaping across continents, Guy headed the rapid acquisition of EMEA and rest of world sales for XDR and MDR platform Synet. Next, he was CEO for cloud data company Equilum, during which time they were acquired by the little-known technology business Google. Great to have you on the show, Guy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, And today, Guy is interviewing our guest, CISO David Mantov. David, wonderful to have you on the show. Hi, thanks for the invite. Absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. David, very accurately, having gotten to know him, describes himself as an empathy-first CISO, so focused on the relationship element of security leadership. As CISO, David led cybersecurity strategy for European managed service provider, systems integrator, and cloud service provider SPI during a five-year period. For the past 20 years, he's called Switzerland home, enjoying its green lushness, and I thank him for introducing me to the term Volbard, am I pronouncing that correctly? Wild Baden. Wild Baden, not, not it turns out. Um, or forest bathing, meaning to relax in nature. And he certainly needs all the relaxation he gets, given he's a Manchester United supporter. <laughs> uh, and now over to the guest host for this podcast, Guy. Thank you very much, Jake. So hi, David. How are you today? I'm good and happy to do this with you, of yeah. all people. It's great. <laughs> Likewise, we have known each other for many years. So, David, for the audience, I would like to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind, to share with us. First of all, is how would you summarize the role of a CISO? Okay, well, it's a difficult role. That's the first thing. But um, in a very few words, it's someone who manages risk to keep his organization safe. And that has a few caveats in that doing that involves being aware and alert of evolving threats, being aware and attuned to the fact that the technology changes and that sometimes the technology is really disruptive. And the other thing is that businesses evolve. So you have to be able to actually really kind of think on your feet and make sure you're very adaptable to all those type of things. And then you can actually do what I said in the beginning. But the other thing that's really important to remember is that Keeping the organization safe, you have to think, well, there's people behind an organization and what will keep you motivated and makes the job for me really exciting is that, you know, these people that you work with, you collaborate with, and you do need them because this is another important thing about the role of a CISO is you need that business context. So all the people in the organization, they help to give you that context. 
and you're protecting them at the end of the day. And that makes it really great. Their dreams, their aspirations, the things that they want to do. Yeah, for sure. So, so David, what are the key challenges that the CISO can face on a daily basis? Well, I think one of the challenges really the same as many leaders face is that you have to have clarity about the goals and the things that you're trying to do. And it kind of gets a little bit special in terms of being a CISO in that the role is relatively new in terms of business because the first CISO was actually around in 1995 and it was a really technology-based role. And then slowly it's kind of just changed and changed to more of a business-based leadership type role. And what you have to do is make sure that people understand what that role is today that's the big pain point mm-hmm. and people have a lot of misconceptions and still think oh that's the guy who's going to configure the firewall and stuff like that when it's not it's really about making sure that you understand what the business goals are and that you're supporting the business to actually achieve them and do it in a secure and compliant way so having said all that the other thing that you have to remember is that really it's a pioneering role And you have to help that role evolve. And what I always say to other CISOs, especially ones who maybe have less experience than myself, is I say, you have to remember it's a pioneering role and that really what you're doing is you're paving the way for others who will come after you and that hopefully they will have it easier. So maybe that's the main pain point, that it is that kind of thing of being a pioneer and if you think of like the Wild West and stuff like that, you know, at one point there was no railroads and someone had to build them. <laughs> and then it got easier for everybody else to actually get into those territories and do the things that, that people did. So I think that's the, that's the pain point is that you do have to kind of break new ground and breaking new ground is quite often very tough. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So, so David, once you are approaching to buy a new technology what's your approach in the process of evaluating it (laughs) good question well first off again you have to make sure that you do good practice you know so this is something where you need to build a context where you know you have to understand what are the business requirements what are the stakeholder requirements what are then the solution requirements the technology bit And of course, the transition requirements. And you need all those elements because at the end of the day, if your solution is going to be successful, it is going to be about the people, the processes, and then the technology. Mm -hmm. And when I'm really focusing on the solution, I like to think, well, what are the characteristics of that solution that will bring benefit to the business? So then you really start thinking about, well, what are the advantages of that solution? And then you want proof that the solution works. So then you you get into doing a proof of concept, you get into references and these type of things. But if you don't frame it, it it's not going to work. Even if you do your due diligence on the solution itself and you say, wow, it's got good characteristics, it's got good advantages, oh, I got lots of proof. But it has to fit in with that, that business context with the stakeholders uh, and the transition requirements as well, which is very important that you can understand how you would actually integrate that and get it up and running in your business. Mm-hmm. And then you've really done a thorough job of the technology. So how do you see the power of referrals in your decision-making process? 
How critical is it for you? Referrals are great. Of course, you know, if you have a good friend and you trust them, you know, why wouldn't you actually take a referral from them? But uh, you do have to make sure that you do your due diligence even on the referral. Yeah, because I, you have to understand that, you know, that what they're saying is up to date, <laughs> for example, because if it's like a referral, it was like, yeah, they like this thing 10 years ago, doesn't really help you now. And then the other thing is to make sure that you understand the scope of the offer that they had that it's similar to yours, because I've actually had the misfortune of taking referrals saying, oh, that's great. And then later on, I've understood even though it was the same product, they had quite significant differences in their offering. <laughs> so it wasn't quite such a good fit for us as it was for them. And and then, of course, the other thing that you have to think about is, you know, is the business really similar? So what I'm trying to say is with a referral, it has to be really relevant to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And then it can give value. But but they are they are great. Yeah. So, so thank you for that, David. Um, another question would be, you know, many vendors are knocking on your door, and this is something that they know from experience. So I have a question about the vendor engagement. So how is your day-to-day -day experience of vendor sales approaches? Well, I can say it's varied. You know, there are some vendors that are maybe a bit too confident and maybe making too many assumptions, like that you will just love their product. Mm -hmm. and that you just want to help them make more money. And, of course, that's not the case. And, you know, they're just the ones who kind of turn up and say, just buy this. And then you're like, come on, this is just really taking up my time. So you've got other vendors who are perhaps more mature. And then what it's really nice is when they're the ones who actually take more time to explain their approach, explain what motivates them to actually be in this kind of area. And then you understand what makes them tick. And more importantly, when you kind of understand the culture of who you're getting into bed with, you kind of understand how they'll act when things go wrong. So like I said, my experience is quite broad that you do get some who are just, you know, I don't know, a bit like a Bible salesman just knocking on the door and really pestering you. And then you've got others who actually really have put their heart and soul into what they're doing. And you can understand that it could really be useful for you as well. You know, it just it just has to be a good fit. Yeah. So, just, so what's your advice to vendors? How they can cut through the noise in such a crowded market these days? Well, I think they need to do their research because I think you know many things are similar, but I think it's like when you approach anyone, if you can show that you're listening, then it's easier to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I think what I really appreciate is when a vendor is really looking at me, the organization I represent, the context that I, I am working in, the particular challenge of the industry sector or even my organization. And I see that they've really thought about what I'm doing, and they really have seen on a realistic basis how they could perhaps help, yeah. then that really helps me to kind of um, give them some time.
But if they're just coming and they don't even know what I'm doing and I see that they didn't research properly, then it really kind of hurts. You think, oh, come on. And then the, the last thing is really they've got to refrain from selling snake oil. I mean, there are people in my position, other leaders who are very experienced at what they do and they know technology very well. So it doesn't help if you come and <laughs> try and sell something that just doesn't make sense, doesn't add up. And, you know, we have a great saying in, in Swiss German, Eierlegende Wollmilzau. And the translation of that is a, a kind of a mythical beast that actually lays eggs, um, has wool and produces milk and bacon. And, you know, this, this, this <laughs> doesn't exist. And, you know, vendors come along with this, you know, shaking a magic wand saying, we can do everything and it will be easy. And basically the challenges that we have are not easy and working hard with a partner, maybe you can come up with good solutions and make things easier, but the, the work is never going to go away. So stop, you know, <laughs> trying to pretend that you're just going to plug something in and you have instant security or whatever. It doesn't exist. It takes work to actually do the things properly. So this is what I think the vendors should respect. I, yeah. I guess one of the things I'm saying is, please stop treating us like idiots. <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. So, so, so how can you, how can a seller make the transition to become a trusted advisor to you? Well, I think the first step is to actually be transparent. You know, you're not going to actually leverage into actually being a trusted advisor if the honesty and the transparency is not there. And then the other thing to actually fortify that and to build on that is that you need consistency. And when you actually see the consistency in the behavior and the transparency and all that kind of stuff, you think, wow, I've got someone who's actually quite reliable. And then going back to what I said initially, uh, when you see that the vendor or the seller is actually attentive to how you operate, what you're doing, how your business is evolving, and they're really trying to support you in what you're trying to achieve, then they do become a trusted advisor. So those are the things that you're actually looking for. Yeah. So so let me ask you the last question. You know, COVID is behind us right now. And um, many people are hesitant or are not sure how important the face-to-face contact is for people at your role, whether it's with, uh, you know, sellers or vendors or conferences or roundtables. How do you see that? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question. And, and it's got to do with people, right? Yeah. And quite recently, you know, if I kind of go a bit off piece, I was thinking about how important connections are in general, just not even at conferences or round tables and stuff like that. And I was thinking, what has helped me to actually be a good CISO? And I was thinking, well, obviously, I had a right technological background. I gained some business experience and I had the motivation, you know, to actually be involved in this domain. But one of the things I was reflecting on, I was really thankful for, 
is the actual people that I met along the way. And it was the people that really made the difference, giving you different insights, giving you different approaches, actually helping you to even be motivated and these type of things. And I think when you attend good conferences, roundtables, networking events, you actually benefit from the same type of things. You know, you meet people who are actually in the same situation as you. So that's always motivational. I mean, I remember uh, studying German and initially I had a private tutor and that was actually a disaster because you kind of focus too much on yourself and then you just feel like the biggest idiot in the world. But then when you actually join a class and you're with your peers and you see that they make the same mistakes and have the same challenges as you, it's really motivational. And I think you can have the same experience at conferences and round tables. Yeah. The other thing, of course, is that it's a really good source of knowledge. Yeah. That, you know, you do meet people who are maybe in more strict or challenging environments than yours. And you really have some eye-openers and say, wow, they have to deal with this uh, type of issue. So that helps you to grow. And then, you know, it's not all about breathing in. It's also about breathing out. And I think that is one of the things that you really need, that as you actually try and explain the things that make you tick, the things that are important to you, you sharpen your own approach and you get more sure about what's relevant for you and what's not relevant. So that really helps you to grow. And actually for members of my team, I tell them, you know, it's great that you're doing a good job on the job, but, you know, do go to conferences, do network. This will actually help you to improve even more as a security leader. So, what can I say? This is extremely important. And yeah, it's great that COVID is behind us because of course you can do these things virtually, but the connection that you have with someone when you've actually met them in person, I think we can understand that's a lot deeper because as humans, we are, we're made to actually take the cues from body language, from tone of voice and that kind of, I don't know, 4k 3d hd experience that you have in real life and, and and it is a lot and it's quite funny when you i don't know lose that i can remember the first physical event that i had after covid and i wasn't used to all the senses being triggered i remember being so exhausted <laughs> so i mean it shows that there's actually a lot going on and I think that, that that's really important for us. I think there's a, a lot that we benefit for. Obviously, I've been talking about things that are really factual and tangible, but I also think there's there's a part to it that is not so tangible that maybe you can only feel. And But that's also really, really valid. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for those questions. Yeah. So, first of all, thank you very much, David. I really appreciate it. And uh, Jake? The stage is yours. Becky. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Guy. Yeah, really, really interesting responses there. What so forgive me, what was that? What was that wonderful phrase, that beast that you mentioned that does all of those things? Could you just repeat that for us? That's the ILing and the wall milk sound. 
<laughs> I will add that. <laughs> I'll give it some practice, but I'm going to add that to my uh, to my lexicon. I think. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Really, really interesting stuff, and and lots and and lots of different aspects that you covered from the kind of people, process, and technology elements of considering a solution, getting into how vendors can approach you by really digging into the why, um, and helping you to understand the reason why the why the business exists and how they seek to serve their customers. Um, from from them looking to engage you and truly understand your situation. Um, really, really interesting. So lots and lots of brilliant, brilliant answers. And I really appreciate having you on the show. And thank you so, so much, Guy, uh, for digging into those responses as well. Yeah, my pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you both. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of CISONomics from Green Ridge Search and that it met its aim of building understanding between information security leaders and the businesses that sell to them. We'd love your feedback and are always looking for new guests. Alongside the usual channels, you can email us at info at greenridge-search.com.